The current emphasis on artificial intelligence and quite specifically large language models represents an opportunity for public sector entities to really lean into their transformation from a digital standpoint. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the intersection of cybersecurity and AI, and the head of Google Cloud's Office of the CISO on prioritizing diversity during the AI boom. It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. As the federal government speeds to adopt AI and invest in AI research, agencies should be mindful of an increasing problem highlighted in a new report out of Stanford, data sets tainted with dangerous and even illegal content. The new report highlighted the presence of child sexual abuse material on Lion5b, an open data set created by the large-scale artificial intelligence open network that's popular among research and some generative AI systems. In the wake of this troubling finding, FedScoop asked federal agencies that fund AI research about their potential use of such databases that could contain illicit imagery that may go undetected. The National Science Foundation in particular pointed to the need for a national AI research resource to help mitigate or prevent the training of AI models on problematic datasets. While Lion doesn't have a relationship with NSF, a researcher affiliated with an NSF-funded AI research institute appears to have collaborated on a paper presenting the dataset. The NSF doesn't have plans to release dataset guidelines right now, but a spokesperson said the issues with Lion 5B exemplified why building alternative resources for AI development is important. The agency spokesperson pointed to the importance of the National AI Research Resource, which would create new tools for academics to research and develop these kinds of technologies. A roadmap for the NAIR was released by the White House early last year, and the first meeting for the pilot program led by NSF and partners took place last November. In other news, the Government Accountability Office is out with a new report that found that while agency use of FedRAMP increased by about 60% between July 2019 and April 2023, the Office of Management and Budget and the General Services Administration still have work to do to alleviate challenges with agencies not using the program to authorize cloud services. For example, GAO reported that several agencies admitted they used services that were not FedRAMP authorized, despite an OMB requirement that all executive branch agencies use providers authorized by the program. That's due in part to the absence of program oversight, GAO said. In the report, the watchdog ultimately made three new recommendations. It said OMB should issue guidance on tracking the cost of sponsoring a FedRAMP authorization and finalize existing proposed guidance to modernize the program. It also said that GSA should develop a plan for guidance on how cloud service providers can navigate a specific federal information processing standard requirement, which is needed for authorization. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. The federal government has made large strides in setting guardrails for AI development, adoption, and use in recent months, driven by the Biden administration's executive order on AI. Despite the momentum and buzz that's engulfed the AI adoption landscape, the federal government and its agencies must be measured and responsible in their approach to leveraging AI. That's according to M.K. Palmore, director of the Office of the CISO for Google Cloud. In a recent conversation, Palmore discussed the need for more rigorous testing and standards for AI, the intersection of artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, and how important it is to ensure diversity is a part of the larger conversation. 
let's start with, um, as I mentioned, the the all the momentum in the federal government and and across the world, frankly, right now around AI. Um, and you know, it, it seems like there's this major desire to move quick and to leverage AI and to go. Uh, really strong headfirst into it, but um, you know, I, I know there's an incredible uh, need for the the responsibility around that and thinking um, safely, securely, ethically uh, in, in doing so. And I know that's something you've talked a lot about. So I'd love to start there. You know, as the federal government comes uh, moves forward with the EO and its guidance on how federal agencies are going to look to use AI, how should they look to be responsible in doing so? So great question. Um, I, I think that the current emphasis on artificial intelligence and quite specifically large language models represents an opportunity for public sector entities to really lean into their transformation from a digital standpoint. Uh, and wh what I mean by that is that, you know, for a very long time, public sector organizations, I think, have been um, under unique challenges as it relates to their cybersecurity posture. Uh, I think that, you know, the blocking and tackling normally associated with cybersecurity posture has been a challenge um, uh, for organizations to really grasp and get their hands wrapped around. And I think the movement towards AI not only opens up possibilities to engage stakeholders in a different way. In other words, public sector organizations can deliver their resources. They can deliver their responsibility to citizen stakeholders in a different fashion. It also represents an opportunity uh, for them to level up their cybersecurity capabilities. And we as an organization have now been infusing different aspects of AI into our cybersecurity tools and products. And we think that's a differentiator and going to be a difference maker for those organizations that adopt it. Um, and we were also, I might add, one of the first organizations to uh, promote and, and come up with a secure AI framework. In other words, a you know, a, a framework of responsibilities that organizations should undertake as they think about and build their AI uh, infrastructure, how they, you know, um, develop their models, how they actually put those models to use and do it in a safe and secure fashion. And so I, I, I think there's lots of opportunity, more opportunity than there is negative. Um, you know, the public sector entities have always been cautious and I think probably, um, uh, conservative when it comes around uh, the topic of emerging technologies and adopting those technologies. And I just think that, you know, certainly from our vantage point, we always want to be in a position to help these organizations level up their capabilities, whether that be from an infrastructure standpoint or cybersecurity. Uh, but I think that the, that the current emphasis around AI represents a great opportunity. And we just hope that the organizations will look to partner with uh, you know, the likes of Google Cloud and others so that they can really take advantage of this new um, uh, emerging technology because we believe it can be eminently helpful to achieving better outcomes across a variety of verticals. Yeah, and you mentioned something really interesting, that that kind of ability for AI to boost cybersecurity. And I, I want to continue on the, the thread about responsibility and, and the ethical impacts in, in a moment. But while we're on the, that topic, um, it, it seems so fascinating or uh, or maybe scary to some degree too because ai kind of soup is is this new domain where um you know people have to think about protecting that ai because pe bad actors are going to want to target it or use ai on their own end to kind of boost their own attacks so there's also that element and is that something that federal agencies should be thinking about on the journey 
Um, so if you've spent any time in the cybersecurity realm as practitioners, we always have to be thinking about what the adversary uh, might be capable of doing. You know, adversaries have shown themselves to be the most agile when it comes to adopting new technologies and trying new, new and different things. Uh, and quite frankly, showing a lot of success, right? They're experts at return on investment, so they do what works for them. So we should expect them to also explore uh, the benefits of AI in terms of developing their exploits. And what I tell um, our customers and what I tell folks as I uh, am on the landscape talking about this is that, you know, if you understand that the adversary is experimenting with and potentially using these technologies, um, you also have to in kind counter with your exploration and use of these technologies in order to be in an adequate position to even combat what they might be capable of doing. And so it's incumbent upon government organizations to one, assume that the adversary will likely be using these technologies. And so as we begin to explore how AI might level up or positively impact cybersecurity capabilities, we should be open to exploring uh, those capabilities where, at every turn. You know, can we make security operations a much more efficient uh, part of a functioning cybersecurity apparatus? Can we take some of the toil um, out of the you know, analyst responsibilities to go through uh, hundreds if not millions of alerts in any one particular enterprise and be able to uh, create playbooks, archive information as needed, um, provide automations that will provide, you know, counterpoints and reactions to things that are happening in the environment. All of this is is within the scope and play of uh, AI at the moment, and you know, organizations should be looking to counter, level up their capabilities, and really explore this in substantive, informative ways. And we're seeing some of this. Um, you know, there are there are some, um, I think, organizations and agencies that are maybe moving faster than others. But it's, it's a time, I think, for most organizations to move diligently, you know, do your, do your homework, uh, partner with organizations that um, ha have done the deep work on this and, and, and sort of produce the results and done the research, you know, the way Google has. We've been, um, we've, we've been from an industry standpoint, uh, leaders in this regard for a number of years. In fact, much of the work that's gone into forming some of these foundational models uh, was started internally at Google. So we're, we're excited to see all of this explode uh, the way that it has now on the uh, on the international scene. And, and, and we love helping organizations get their hands wrapped around it and really put uh, the practical aspects of this to um, uh, to action. That's great. Um, moving back to the notion of, you know, acting responsibly as we adopt AI, uh, I'm curious, you know, what sort of a rigorous testing and standards need to go into that? Um, and does that mean necessarily slowing down or can agencies or other organizations remain moving quickly as they are towards AI while being responsible? And, and maybe that's something that they can rely on the commercial sector a bit for doing. So interesting. I'll answer that this way. Um, you may notice that you know, one of the um, criticisms, fair or otherwise, I think that's been labeled on, on Google is that even though we did a bunch of the pioneering work on this, we've been moving intently and in some cases a little slower than the rest of the industry on coming to market with some of this stuff. And it's because we feel that extra time needs to be spent on the due diligence and the back end, ensuring the safety and security, ensuring that we're taking into account things like inclusivity, um, ensuring that we're thinking about the safety of these models as they are presented and being used widely by public. And maybe we're spending a little extra time when compared to our competitors thinking intently about this so that we build in protections 
um, uh, before we bring things to market. Uh, but I think that kind of pause may be necessary because we, we have to, as a, as a vendor, we have to, I think, uh, be much more responsible and account for more so that by the time it's ready for use by, uh, by enterprise that we've thought about built-in natural protections in terms of making sure that the models um, uh, are useful, safe, and secure. And yeah, we've done a lot of the, the, the build up front, uh, but nothing, I'll say that, but in the same breath, I'll say nothing alleviates an organization from being responsible for their own uh, safety and security as they identify and adopt new technology. So we're, we're trying to do our part, but uh, organizations should still do their due diligence and do their part as well. So MK, I know something you've spoken a lot about and are very passionate about is uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, and obviously there's a major workforce element that comes with the AI boom. Um, we hear about in the federal government that that's the number one challenge is, is being able to bring the talent to government to get you know, the steps in the executive order and all the other requirements done. So um, starting from a high level, I'd love to hear, you know, with the, the recent uh, boom in, in AI and specifically generative AI, how is that affecting the, the need for talent at, uh, within, you know, organizations like the government or writ large and um, sort of driving people to work on these sticky and, and thorny problems? Yeah, and, and I think that, um, you know, sticky and thorny is how I would describe it as well. Um, so this is the passion topic for me, and I, I, I don't want to go off the rails um, uh, talking about the challenge overall that the industry faces in terms of just creating and allowing for more diverse um, workers and, and, and folks to participate um, in these in these booms. We, we've seen now for the past two decades, the cybersecurity industry uh, separately has a challenge uh, with regard to the gap in workforce. I believe and have been passionate that DE&I is a part of the answer to that. It's not the whole solution. Um, it can't be the whole solution to a 650,000 person gap here in the U.S. alone, but it is part of the solution. And if you extend that argument that um, more diverse work, a more diverse workforce, more diverse populations actually enable you to build uh, more comprehensive uh, and capable solutions. If you take that and extend it to the AI um, world, which is unique and being considered a separate um, skill set and potential domain, then uh, I think the argument extends there as well. That when you think about just the complexity of the world, we're, we're building these models and solutions to answer the mail. Uh, on a world that, quite frankly, is diverse by its very nature, right? The world is as diverse a population base as you can get. And so if you want to build technology and solutions that answer the mail on the needs of a very widely diverse population, that same diverse population should participate in the building of these solutions. And the talent and interest is there. It's just incumbent upon uh, vendors and others in the technology space to make room for these folks at the table so that they can ensure to be um, uh, participants in the build out of these solutions. And, you know, this is one of the areas where uh, I, I just, you know, I, I almost feel like um, I'm, I'm beating a, a drum on this. You know, it's cool to be working for an organization like Google where, uh, you know, my interest in this is constantly nourished. I constantly see the organization trying to answer the mail on this, uh, which is a lot. Um, and, and I think, you know, from a positive standpoint, 
there are many of us in Google that come from diverse communities who really appreciate the opportunity to be able to advocate for these kinds of things, see the change that we're advocating for and asking for. It's not going to happen overnight, but the emphasis on it, the continuing um, uh, emphasis by organizations like Google and some others in the industry around um, trying to make sure that we answer the mail on this is uh, is encouraging. But man, there's still a lot. There's there's a lot to be done uh, in this regard. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, obviously Google, as you said, does a great job in this. But um, you know, what are some of those successful strategies or tactics? It's it's one thing to place emphasis, but is there kind of actions or or things like that that you've seen actually lead to results in this space? I, I do. Um, I, I will tell you that you know. Uh, one of the things that anyone would advocate for, you know, outside of Google or any other organizations that, um, you know, efforts in this regard need to be adopted and promoted by the leadership. Like if you're not getting the buy-in from um, the C-suite, the executive team, if it's not a core component of the ask that they're making of the organization, if they haven't gone through the process of making both the business case and the societal case for uh, providing emphasis and promotion around these programs, you will not get traction in an organization. And one of the things I've seen positive, positively done just internally here at Google is that this is talked about from the CEO all the way down to the hiring managers and then you know the entire workforce. It, it is a it's a part of everyone's annual commitment. Um, so it, it it becomes real uh, at that point. And I think that where other organizations may uh, may not see a very similar success is that it's not driven from the from the top of the organization and or there's no effort or um, impetus put around supporting the hiring managers and recruiters to actually engage uh, in what might you know be considered to be something um, that takes very intentional additional work on their part to identify diverse talent and give those folks an opportunity to interview like you know the it's not that you know diverse talent doesn't get a different interview uh, than anyone else gets, but given the opportunity to interview, I think, and if you if you're intentional about it, you'll find that you probably have a uh, stable of diverse talent that's just as capable and ready for these open positions uh, within organizations um, uh, as anywhere else. So it it requires intentionality. It requires engagement by executives. I see a lot of that uh, here at Google, and again, it's something I'm proud of, and um, it, it makes it makes it good because it's it's part of my um, you know additional responsibilities. It's nice to know that that I continue to be supported as a leader in the organization to be able to do that, um, uh, and and it's one of those things where we see the results day in and day out of it. So, MK, as we kind of get to the end here, um, I'm curious, you know, we're, we're at the beginning of 2024. A lot of people like to kind of look and, and sort of project on what's coming next. I know it's a little cliche, um, <laughs> but I'd love to hear what, what do you think comes next, especially in this intersection of AI and cybersecurity? Um, what are you excited to see and what do you uh, foresee coming out of Google or any, any large, um, you know, sector in this space? Uh, I'm bullish um, on where we are headed from a technology standpoint. I get excited when new and emerging technologies uh, show an ability to impact uh, both society, business, and, and lots of different verticals. And so I, I think this, the potential for AI, 
large language models and the work that we're doing here at Google, the potential for us to positively impact the outcomes uh, of public sector and commercial organizations is just, um, it, it's potentially off the charts. And I, I personally get excited going into these conversations with technology leaders in the public sector and them exploring the opportunities uh, to see how this can uh, help them transform. I think where the, where the challenge may be, as it always is, is it's an overcoming the fear associated with new things uh, and giving them a test. Um, but I just think that you know the opportunity here is enormous. Uh, and I think that once we realize that, yeah, with some diligence, some uh, application of safe and secure frameworks and concepts, we can employ these technologies and get different results. I think the opportunity for organizations to deliver to their stakeholders is just off the charts. And uh, I love that we're in a position to be able to help them with that. Really interesting stuff. MK, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Billy. Really appreciate it. You can learn more about the AI and cybersecurity intersection at the dailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.